Central Illinois blacksmiths keep tradition alive. Mattoon High Schoolers can soon join a drone soccer team. More on these stories, I'm Sierra Henry. I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. We're going to jump right into state government news today with some uh, coronavirus updates. Illinois is continuing to see a massive spike in coronavirus cases this month, driven by the Omicron variant, leading the state to bring in more than 2,000 additional healthcare workers, including 919 in hospitals. Another 552 healthcare workers are scheduled to arrive over the next several days to help the state get a handle on the cases as hospitals throughout reach their capacity limits. Illinois Department of Public Health Director Dr. Ngozi Isaac said that the state has never had this many COVID patients in the hospital at any point during the pandemic. Pritzker added that the state is taking several actions to boost its healthcare workforce, issuing new protocols for schools whenever students or school employees test positive. We are continuing to follow this massive uptick in COVID-19 cases, so if you want to find out what's going on in your area, check out panagraph.com, jg-tc.com, and herald-review.com. There we are publishing daily updates on COVID-19 cases as well as where to find vaccination clinics near you. This week, Governor J.B. Pritzker also extended tax filing deadlines for families and businesses battered by December tornadoes and severe storms. The extensions apply for those living in or running a business in Coles, Bond, Cass, Effingham, Fayette, Jersey, Macoupin, Madison, Menard, Montgomery, Morgan, Moultrie, Pike, and Shelby counties. The extension frees taxpayers from interest and penalties on both their state and federal income taxes. Impacted taxpayers now have until May 16th to make their quarterly estimated income tax payments, which are typically due on January 18th and April 18th, without incurring penalties. You can find out more on who qualifies and the devastating storms that occurred this December at herald-review.com and jg-tc.com. And now let's move into some local city government news. The city of Charleston announced this week public access will be limited as COVID cases rise in Coles County. City manager Scott Smith said that they decided to restrict some access because recently cases have caused some issues with the city's day-to-day operations. Access will be limited to City Hall, the police department, the fire department, museum, and all public works buildings, including the water treatment and wastewater treatment facilities. However, residents will still have access to the lobby area of City Hall and the police department. For full details and to read more about the rising COVID cases, be sure to find Matus Janik's story at jg-tc.com. Scott Preston, a 34-year-old Republican who has served on the Normal Town Council since 2013, is running for state representative in the 91st District. Preston made the announcement on Wednesday, the day before candidates can officially start gathering signatures to get on the ballot. In his announcement, he said his priorities include rebuilding Illinois' economy, investing in education and ensuring parents have a voice, and defeating efforts to defund or lessen the powers of law enforcement. So far, he's the only Republican with his hat in the ring for the newly drawn 91st District that includes McLean, Woodford, Tazewell, and Peoria counties, stretching from Bloomington Normal to just south of Peoria. If you want to read more about Preston and his platform, as well as background on this district, you can find my story at panagraph.com. Alrighty, now let's move into some very specific business news. Sierra, take it away. So last week, um, 
I spoke to some blacksmiths in the central Illinois region and they told me about how they're keeping the tradition of um, blacksmithing alive. Um, I became interested in the story which ran on Sunday's paper um, because I was fascinated with the this, this show Forged in Fire by the History Channel and uh, since then I've been obsessed and wanted to talk with local blacksmiths to see how they're um, you know keeping up the blacksmithing tradition and just what type of um, blacksmith artisans there are in uh, Bloomington Normal and Central Illinois region. So I talked with um, a couple different blacksmiths and they told me about their forge in uh, at the Sugar Valley Grove Nature Center and um, I also went out to Bill Kaufman's forge in his backyard and spoke to his 16 year old apprentice who reminded me very much of my brother. Um, I also spoke with the Edge of Normal workshop in Bloomington, um, which has a couple blacksmiths that are known for uh, knife making and sharpening and everything. So it, it's just a really cool, fun story about blacksmithing and uh, what they're doing to, you know, keep it alive. And um, if you're interested in that, you can find my story at pantograph.com. We also have like some really cool videos of Bill showing us how to use the forge and uh, photos of Bill, you know, doing his demonstration and uh, hammering on some metal. Very cool stuff. Kelsey's going to take it away with uh, education. Decatur Public Schools has replaced two principals, Valerie Wells reported this week. The school board issued a notice to remedy to Jenica Gully, former principal of South Shore School on Tuesday. Gully replaced... Goalie was replaced in September and reassigned to the position of roving principal. According to the notice of remedy, the board and administration received reports regarding Goalie's performance and effectiveness, and their investigation revealed, quote, serious deficiencies in her actions. The notice states that when she was questioned about the in- incidents, she failed to provide explanation that in any way diminished school officials' concerns. Goalie was the second new principal to be removed this academic year, as Stephanie Morgan Harris, who was hired as principal of Muffley School and began work in August was removed from that position. She was transferred to assistant principal at Hope Academy. Valerie Wells has full details about these developments as well as further coverage of this week's board meeting at herald-review.com. The Illinois Board of Higher Education recommended this week a 5% increase in funding for state public universities as part of its first budget request under a new strategic plan. Their recommendation now goes to the state legislature and governor for consideration. The board also passed a yearly budget recommendation for the fiscal year 2023 at the first meeting of the year. The budget recommendation includes a 7% increase from the budget passed for fiscal year 2022 for a total of $2.132 billion. Locally, the recommendation includes $74.35 million for Illinois State University, $44.26 million for Eastern Illinois University, and $201.3 million for the Southern Illinois University System, which includes Carbondale and Edwardsville. Connor Wood has the full coverage of the IBHE meeting, including more details about the strategic plan across our three websites, panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Mattoon High School will soon offer a drone soccer program thanks to $5,000 in funds from the Consolidated Communications Consolidated Connects Educational Grant Program. Now, what is a drone soccer team? Great question. I had no idea. 
Uh, Chris Brown, the Mattoon High School career technical teacher, said drone soccer is a game played in, a, in an enclosed arena with rings on each side for scoring between two teams of at least three players. Each player controls a drone, and only one player from each team is allowed to score with their drone by putting that drone through their ring. Now, stay with me here. The drones are all fitted with a protective cage to prevent any collisions and are given time between periods to repair their drone, change out batteries, make adjustments, that kind of stuff. Brown says it's kind of like Quidditch in the Harry Potter universe, and the objective is to stop the one drone that can score from scoring. But as a huge Harry Potter nerd myself, I will say it kind of sounds like Quidditch in reverse, but Anyways, Mattoon Stanek has a better explanation and more about how Mattoon plans to develop the program in his story, which you can find at jg-tc.com. Alrighty, now Sierra, let's go into some sports news. What's going on in Toledo? Neal Center YMCA in Toledo has announced its youth spring season, starting with youth dodgeball in Toledo on April 5th. The season is open to children's ages 6th through 8th grade. Teams are organized by age and used soft foam balls. Registration is open through March 18th and costs $25 for YMCA members and $45 for non-members. The registration fee increases by $10 on March 1st. Youth outdoor soccer will be held in Mattoon beginning April 9th. This league is open to youth ages 4 years old through 8th grade. Registration opens March 18th and costs $30 for YMCA members and $50 for non-members through February 28th, and the cost increases $10 on March 1st. Registration and additional information are available at www.mattoonymca.org. Parents and guardians can also contact Alex Carey, YMCA Sports Director at 217-234-9494 or A-C-A-R-I-E at mattoonymca.org. For more info, find Clint Walker's report at jg-tc.com. Illinois State University volleyball coach Leah Johnson has signed a five-year contract extension with the Redbirds, which will run through 2027. Johnson took over as head coach in 2017, leading the Redbirds to a 104-53 record. ISU has made five postseason appearances since she started, including their current streak of making it to the NCAA tournament four consecutive times, which hasn't been accomplished since the 1982-85 range. With Johnson at the helm, the Redbirds have also finished in the top three in the Missouri Valley Conference regular season play every season, winning the Valley regular season title in both 2018 and 2020. For more on Johnson and her leadership and the Redbirds volleyball team, you can find Randy Reinhardt's full story at panagraph.com. All right, now let's move into some public safety and courts news. Uh, Sierra, let's take it down to Decatur. Decatur Police Department on Thursday released video footage of an officer being shot during a January 8th foot chase. Police Chief Shane Brandle identified the officer as Stephanie Vale, a six-year veteran on the patrol division. She has been released and is recovering from her injuries. The body cam footage shows Vale chasing after a suspect identifying herself as Decatur Police and for the suspect to stop. She then called into her police radio giving a brief description of the suspect before calling for an ambulance because she had been shot. For more info, find Tony Reed's full report at heraldhurf-review.com. Decatur police have arrested a Clinton man for sex offender registration offenses. The man, who was listed as living in Clinton, failed to notify police of his new address, according to a sworn affidavit from Decatur police. He was arrested by officers who were investigating a shooting that left a three-year-old Decatur boy wounded and suffering life-threatening injuries to both his legs Tuesday night, reporter Tony Reed wrote. 
The man's original sex offenses date to when he was 10 and 13 years old and involved victims who were aged 10 and 6. He is required to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life because of that, which means registering the address where he is living with police. For more details, you can find Tony's story at herald-review.com. A fire burned through Victory Church in rural Bloomington on Monday, leaving church leaders and members promising to rebuild. Panagraph reporter Kate Heather was at the scene of the fire where flames and thick smoke could be seen coming from the northwest corner of the church building where the kitchen was located. Bloomington and Downs fire crews cut a hole through the steel siding on the north side to gain access to the blaze. Bloomington spokesman Eric Davidson said it took about five hours to extinguish the fire, which spread smoke damage throughout the building. For the full story and to check out photos from David Praber, be sure to head on over to Pantograph.com. Kelsey's going to uh, bring us into community news with a really fun story coming out of University High. A University High student is putting together a pandemic time capsule this month, and she's asking for the Bloomington Normal community to help. Siri Nalamathu, who is a junior, said she found inspiration for this project when she was studying the 1918 flu pandemic. Now, 200 years later, she doesn't want the COVID-19 pandemic to just be skimmed over in a textbook. Siri Hassa said she wants the community's experiences to be remembered and for future generations to be able to learn from what they find in this time capsule. Partnering with the Normal Parks and Recs Department and with the Normal Public Library, she is asking for submissions of pictures, keepsakes, artwork, reflective essays, letters, news clips, oral histories, and more for this 20-year project. This time capsule will be sealed February 26 at the Community Activity Center in Normal, and the plan is for it to be stored in Town of Normal facilities and reopened in 2042. Now, if you're in the Bloomington Normal area and you'd like to contribute, you can find all the details for how to do that in my story at panagraph.com. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. We're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it sweet. We're going to keep it (laughs) sassy. If you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism.